what is it that makes a company successful? What is it that makes an organization successful? Lots of books have been written on the subject of success. Uh, I'm not going to distill all of that, but I do think there is one thing that sets great companies apart from all the rest. Whether you're talking about companies like Apple or Amazon or SpaceX, uh, pick the company that you know of. What is it that makes them knowable? And I think it's this one thing. They all have a mission. They all have a mission and a purpose and a reason for existing. And their leaders are people on mission too. Whether you're talking about Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, these are men who are on a mission. Now, you may not like them, you may not like their organization, but you can't deny that they are clear about their mission, that they are people on purpose. And, and that's important for us to think about. I think it's important for all of us to be people on mission, to be people on purpose, to be intentional and purposeful and thoughtful about why it is that God created us and what, he, what good works he created in advance for us to do, what mission he's called us to. You may think of great men like the ones mentioned, or you may think of a guy like Timothy Stockpile. And you may not know the name Timothy Stockpile, so let me tell you about Timothy Stockpile. Timothy Stockpile had two great loves in his life. His family, his wife, his children, and his career. It was more than a career for Timothy. It was a calling. He was a, a firefighter. And he knew that that was the reason he had been made. He, it, was, it, was his, it was in every part of his DNA. He was legendary among firefighters specifically known for his courage and for his tenacity. What is it that makes a man like Timothy Stockpile, other firefighters, what is it that drives them to run into burning buildings? That's not a natural thing. It's not a natural instinct. But there's something among men like Timothy Stockpile that causes them to run toward that which everyone else is running away from. And I think it comes back to mission. I'll give you an example with Timothy Stockpile. Back many years ago, he and his uh, firefighters were called to a five-alarm fire. So it was a big blaze. And as they arrived on scene, they could hear the screams of a woman who was trapped inside. So Timothy took two, himself and two of his colleagues, and they ran in to rescue the woman. The three of them worked their way through the smoke and, and the unimaginable heat, and they worked their way across, and as they were doing so, as they were on the second floor of the structure, the floor collapsed beneath them. And those three men were not just on the floor, they were buried in rubble, some of which was on fire. When Timothy tells the story, he says, I thought that, that was it, that, that was the day I was going to die. I was praying that simply... God would allow me to die bravely. He said, I was, I, was, I was so compacted in the rubble, I couldn't move any part of me, and there were parts of me that were on fire. You can imagine what it must have been like. Probably you can't imagine. 
It was horrific. It was unbelievable. Well, those three brothers would not be there by themselves. Their fellow firefighters would all run in to save the three that had fallen in the collapse of the floor. And the three were pulled out. One of them didn't make it that day. He died right there on the scene. But Timothy Stockpile and one of his other brothers were rushed to the burn center with fourth and fifth degree burns. Now, you, I'm only familiar with third degree burns. Third is pretty bad. But as I understand, a fourth and fifth degree burn is basically burned as far as it can go. Not to get too graphic, but to the bone. The, the, the pain, I can't even begin to imagine the kind of pain, not only while I was in the fire, but, but coming out. He and his fellow firefighter were in rehab there at the burn center for months. Uh, Timothy Stockpile had a pretty high tolerance for pain. His wife says that when they were doing the rehab, the first day they tried to stand him up to get him to walk, he fainted from the pain. It was so bad. What is it that causes a man like Timothy Stockpile to have that kind of courage? Not just to go into a building, to save a woman, to come out, to go through the rehab process. And it wasn't just enough. I mean, at that point, most any firefighter, and you could hardly blame him, could, could just take retirement, take the pension, to take the disability, and, and do something else. But after months and years of rehab, he went back to firefighting. And he didn't just go to a desk job. He went to full active duty back as a firefighter. That was the kind of courage that made Timothy Stockpile legendary among firefighters. And as I, as I read Timothy's story and I thought about it, what is it that drives a man like that to have that kind of courage to run into burning buildings, to rescue people, to go through this rehab from this horrific injury, to come out, to go back into firefighting? And I can only come back to one thing. Timothy Stockpile was a man on mission. His wife later said that Timothy couldn't not do it. He couldn't not be a firefighter. It was what he was supposed to do with his life. He's a man on mission. Now, he reminds me of someone else who was on mission, and he wasn't just any man, he was the son of man. And we're going to talk about this son who's talked about in the scriptures you know him as Jesus the Christ. Some say, well, we start with Jesus' story in the Gospels, but really, his story began in the book of Genesis. It goes all the way through the Old Testament. Jesus is prophesied about again and again and again. So we know who he was. He was the seed of the woman. He's the Passover lamb. He's the high priest. He's the, the pillar of cloud and fire. He's the, the prophet. He's the commander. He's the judge. He's the lawgiver. He's the kinsman redeemer. He's the seed of David. He's the reigning king. He's a faithful scribe. He's the rebuilder of all things. He's the advocate. He's our shepherd. He's our wisdom. He's our meaning for life. He's our purpose. He's our bridge. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the glorious Lord. He's the fourth man in the fiery furnace in Daniel. He's the faithful husband in Hosea. He's the outpour of the Holy Spirit in Joel. He is our burden bearer in Amos. He's the judge and savior in Obadiah. He is the risen prophet in the book of Jonah. He is the ruler of the world 
from Bethlehem and Micah. He's our stronghold in Nahum. He is the watchman in Habakkuk. He is mighty to save in Zephaniah. He is the restorer of Haggai. He is the branch of David in Zechariah. He is the son of righteousness in Malachi. The scriptures had introduced Jesus again and again and again throughout the scriptures. They were expecting the Messiah. They were expecting one who would fulfill all of the prophecies. So they knew who Jesus was. But more importantly, we need to understand why Jesus came. He was a man, the son of man, on mission. That was his purpose. When you step back just for a minute and you ask yourself, what causes someone who's the centerpiece of heaven to leave heaven, to come down to our world, to lower himself, to be born in poverty and obscurity, to be mocked and to be misunderstood, to to die a, a criminal's death? What causes a man like that to do that, man, and to do that... To be on mission, and the answer is, he understood why he was sent. He understood why he was sent, and it's the same word that I'd use for Timothy Stockpile. He's a man on mission. Jesus came into the world with one mission. If you, if you want to look in the New Testament, turn to the book of Matthew, first gospel book, Life of Christ, go to the first chapter you don't know where that is, go to page 1035. And as we enter the new covenant, the introduction to Jesus is first the genealogy to confirm that he was the man prophesied about. And then the introduction to Joseph. Verse 21, he says, she will bear a son, she being Mary, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus means the salvation of Yahweh. That was his mission, his purpose was to save people from their sins. Now, I suppose Jesus could have been sent on many missions. People wanted him to do many missions. They, they loved how he taught. He taught as one with authority. They loved the miracles because... Maybe perhaps he'd do one for me. They loved to, to see the healings and to hear the word spread. They, they, they thought maybe he was going to bring utopia. Maybe he was going to overthrow Rome. Maybe he was going to establish a kingdom on earth. But Jesus didn't come to do any of those things. In fact, if you, if you want to continue looking at the Gospels, turn to Luke chapter 19, page 1127. And Jesus was chastised for eating and fellowshipping with those who didn't often receive fellowship at the table. And when they asked him about it, Jesus said concerning Zacchaeus, he says, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. Now this is verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If if you go to the book of John, chapter 3, John chapter 3, verse 16, is a scripture that many people know. John chapter 3, verse 17, not as much, but I think it's equally as important. 
John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Everyone had a different mission for Jesus. The enemy had one mission for Jesus. I just need you to bend the knee, Jesus. I just need you to worship me. I just need you to do anything else other than why you were sent. But Jesus was a man on mission. His friends had a different mission for Jesus. When Jesus asked Peter in Matthew 16, Who do you say that I am? He, of course, replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But then when Jesus said, The Son of Man must be rejected, Peter came up to him and said, Never, Lord. You quit that talk right now. And we're going to make you king. We're going to overthrow Caesar. You have the ability to do it. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So his enemy had a different mission. His friends had a different mission. But Jesus never drifted from his mission. In the crowds of thousands or just talking to Peter, James, and John, Jesus never forgot his mission. He knew why he was sent, and he also knew that he was how God would save. He was the way to save sinners from sin. John chapter 14, verse 6, the scripture's on the screen, and you probably know it already. John chapter 14, verse 6, I'll encourage you to follow along. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus taught people, and he taught like no one else, and that's true. Jesus healed people, and and he, he could have spent all of his time on earth healing people, but he didn't. But his ultimate mission was to save people, and that was going to only come through him. That's not politically correct verse, but that's exactly the truth, that Jesus is the only way. Just ask anyone who Jesus helped. Ask a man paralyzed who's brought to Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. And and Jesus, of course, heals him, but what does he say to the man in Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 6? The first thing he says is, take heart, my son, Your sins are forgiven. Jesus' primary concern was not the paralysis of the man's body, but rather the paralysis of his soul that sin had brought. It's the same for you and I. Ask a woman who's caught in adultery. Last time I checked, adultery takes two people, but for whatever reason, they decided to pick on the woman And they brought her to use her to test Jesus. The law says, stoner, what do you say? That's a trap. And Jesus said nothing. He stooped on the ground. He wrote in the dirt. He said, after letting them sweat, if you're without sin, you cast the first stone. And what's so interesting is in that story is that Jesus was without sin. He could have cast the first stone. 
But in John chapter 8, Jesus asks her, Where are those your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She says, No one, sir. And then he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. One translation says, From now on, sin no more. You see, Jesus could have condemned her, but instead he showed her holy clemency and he showed his mission. Just ask a thief in his final moments of life. In Luke chapter 23, he is condemned, he is guilty, there is no, there is no possible means of salvation. And he looks to this man just beside him, who is unlike him in every respect, who has committed no sin, has no guilt upon him, is not worthy of this punishment. And he says to him, Jesus, remember me. And and if I count in Scripture correctly, of the last 21 words that Jesus spoke, at least in the English translation, of those last 21 words, Jesus used his 13 of those to say, truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, up to his very last moments, up to his very last breaths, to a man who had nothing to offer except to ask for mercy from the King of Kings, Jesus stayed on mission. Let's look at it again. John 3, verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. This morning, if I can give you a message of hope, it's this. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn you. He certainly could have. He's the judge. He's the righteous king. He's the king of kings. But why did he come into the world? To save you. To save you because you couldn't save yourself. To save you because you needed a savior. He he knew why. And he also knew that he was the how. You see, the Messiah was both God's mission as well as God's method. And so... May we as followers of Jesus be on mission as well. I'm going to give you two things and then we'll close. First, I hope that if you take Jesus seriously and you take his kingdom seriously, that you're bringing people to Jesus. Now, I want to encourage you, because some people think when I bring people to Jesus, I have to be talented. I have to have all the answers. I didn't say bring them to you. I didn't even say bring them to church. I, that's not, nothing wrong with that. But may we be on mission by leading people to Jesus. There's one Savior. There's one Savior. And you're not Him. And you don't have to be Him. You simply need to lead others to Him. Peter said in Acts 4.12, there's salvation found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So bring them to Jesus. When in doubt, bring them to Jesus. When you see that their life is falling apart, bring them to Jesus. He's the Savior. And everyone needs a Savior. Number two, 
Be always on mission. Every sinner needs a Savior. And in fact, if you'll just humor me for a minute, turn to the person on your left and say, you need Jesus. Now turn to the person on your right and say, yes, I do. Every sinner needs the Savior. Every person in here needs Jesus. And some people, maybe you're in here, this is your first time at church, and you feel uncomfortable, and you say, these people, they, they don't have sin like I got. No, we all got sin. We just Some of us are better at hiding it than others. We all have sin, and we all need a Savior. And so we all need Jesus. And so as we've received the mercy and grace of Jesus, may we be about sending it and sharing it with everyone we know, family, friends, co-workers, Everywhere you go, there's a mission field. At your school, at your work, in your neighborhood, with the PTA. Everywhere you go, your social media, your Facebook, your Instagram, your TikTok. Everywhere you go is a mission field. So, be always on mission. Timothy Stockpile was a a man with a mission. As I said, he was a legend in the New York City Fire Department after that blaze in 1998. In fact, Lieutenant Stackpole was later promoted to captain on September the 6th, 2001. And just five days later, after his promotion to captain, he was one of hundreds of firefighters who, as the towers collapsed and everyone was fleeing, They were running toward it. Why? Because he was a man on mission. And he knew there were people that needed saving. 42-year-old Captain Stockpole was first among those at ground zero. He led a team into the second trade tower. And he was one of 343 who were killed when the towers collapsed. 10,000 people attended Captain Stockpile's funeral, including then-Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, who called him one of the most exceptional human beings I've ever met. What made him exceptional? What made him a legend? He was on mission. What made him a legend, what made him exceptional, not because of how he died, but more because of how he lived. Jesus was a man on mission. That was his purpose. That was his calling. And for his followers, he calls us to be people on mission. If you need Jesus this morning in any way, we'd be glad to help you with that. We'd be glad to make the introduction Because as a church, we always want to be a church on mission. If you have a need, we're going to sing a song here in just a minute. Head to the back, speak with one of our shepherds, pray with them. They'll pray with you and do whatever needs doing to introduce you to the Savior of the world. May we always be on mission. Let's stand and sing.